Hey, y'all, this is Kevin from Candlebox. You are listening to Thunder Underground Podcast. Welcome to episode 332 of the Thunder Underground Podcast. Trent here, and it's been a bit since I've talked to you. Took a little bit of time off here because I was out of town a lot, working and traveling. But the wait is worth it because Kevin Martin of Candlebox has returned to the podcast. He's back, and he's got a lot to talk about because Candlebox has a brand new album called Wolves that just came out last month. We're going to talk about that and a ton more stuff with Kevin here in just a bit. And a couple other things as well, but first I need to let you know who we're sponsored by, and that would be DEB Concerts. DEB Concerts books and puts on the Roadhouse stage at Rocklahoma every year. This year was no different, and that's something that I'm going to be talking about here coming up in just a minute, is about Rocklahoma, because I haven't even talked about that on the podcast yet. But we're talking about DEB Concerts. And this year, they brought in Puddle of Mud, John Five, Stephen Piercy of Rat, Liliac, Fist of Rage, Severmind, Travis Bond, Chaotic Resemblance, ton of other great bands played Rocklahoma this year on the Roadhouse stage. DEB Concerts has also brought in tons of great acts over the last several years to the downtown Tulsa area at the Ideal Barroom, which is unfortunately gone now. They've also booked shows at the BOK Center. And speaking of that, they've recently mentioned that there should be announcements soon. According to Doug, he mentioned they might have a show coming up this year at the BOK Center, and they also will have some to announce next year. So we're talking big events, because the BOK Center, for those of you who aren't from this area, is a major arena here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So be on the lookout for that. DEBconcerts.com is where all the information is. Ticket info, when it's available. You can also follow them at DEBconcerts on, DEB on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And of course, tell them you heard about them here. Also, Hell Hot Hot Sauce is a hot sauce company based out of the San Francisco Bay Area that makes small batch artisan hot sauces. All their sauces are very hot, as the title of their company states, but they are all very flavorful. They've got tons of different options. If you love hot sauce, I can't imagine you would not love the sauce from Hell Hot Hot Sauce. They've sent us a few different kinds. My favorite might be the Garlic Death Grip which is a collaboration they do with Techno Destructo, formerly of Gore. They also have a great sauce with Florida Frank from Hatebreed called Florida Frank's Florida Heat. They've also got one called Brain Jerk that they do with Ghoul. Both Di- Digester from Ghoul and Florida Frank have been on this podcast, so check those episodes out. They've also got sauces coming with Zetro of Exodus and Death Angel as well. Hit them up at Hella Hot Hot Sauce on Instagram and Facebook. And their website is hellahothotsauce.com. You can buy sauces right there and they'll ship them to you. Or if you're on the West Coast, there are a lot of stores out there. So get out there and pick you up some and tell them you heard about them here. We've also got Sunset Tattoo, a tattoo shop in Tulsa, Oklahoma in the Midtown area. Their tattoos are done good and proper. They're state licensed. They are mother approved. They have over 25 years of experience. Jake does some excellent work. I know several people that have had tattoos done by him, and in fact, I've had a tattoo done by him, and I'm very happy with it. You can see tons of pictures of their work on Instagram, at Sunset Tattoo Tulsa, and also on Facebook, Sunset Tattoo Tulsa. 
shoot them a message or give them a call to talk about what work you want to have done. And of course, tell them you heard about them here. Finally, we've got MedFarm, a dispensary located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma at 24683 East Highway 51. They're right off the highway. They've got a drive through So if you call ahead or text or email your order ahead of time, you can go right through that drive through pick it up, and be on your way. You can see the entire selection at leafly.com. But they're not just drive through or curbside. You can go inside and see their giant selection. They also are always running specials on their social media, so follow them on Facebook, MedFarm, P-H-A-R-M. Instagram is MedFarmOK. And their website is MedFarmOK.com. If you mention Thunder Underground, they'll give you 10% off your first order, which is very cool. But the coolest thing of all is that 30% of their proceeds go to build no-kill animal shelters. And that's not a promotion. That is all the time. So there's your reason for hitting up these guys because we know you have tons of choices for dispensaries in this area. But make the drive to MedFarm. Get the product you want. And in turn, help out the animals. Can't beat that. Tell them you heard about them here and get your discount that way as well. So, it's been a while, and I know there's a million things I could talk about, but I'm going to try to keep this concise because we need to talk to Kevin Martin. But I mentioned Rocklahoma, and I've been out of town most of the past month, worked a few festivals, went on a family vacation, and the first festival of that run was Rocklahoma, and I had we had a couple people message us ahead of time. And then at Rocklahoma, I had a couple people ask, and even at Born and Raised, which is a country festival on the same side as Rocklahoma, a couple weeks later, I had a couple people ask why we didn't have a Rocklahoma preview or a Rocklahoma review, because that's something we've done every single year since we started this podcast. Jason and I, when Jason obviously was still doing the podcast, we had thrown around the idea of doing a preview once the lineup was announced, but Jason had decided not to go, and he was also preparing to leave the podcast, so he mentioned that, you know, maybe doing that wasn't really the right thing to do, you know, just previewing something that he wasn't going to, and also on my end, I was going, but I was working, and I knew that I there was a ton of those bands I wasn't going to be able to see due to working, so we opted out of the the preview this year, and that also answers why there wasn't a review. Because I got out there and I saw a few bands in their entirety. I saw Mastodon, The Who, and Slipknot in their entirety. I also caught the last couple songs of Candlebox's set. I saw one song from Andrew WK. There's a few other bands where I got to see, you know, a song here or there. But I felt I couldn't really do a review of a full festival having not seen a festival's worth of, you know, bands. So there you go with that. You know, hey, maybe next year. Anyway, there's a an explanation that people probably didn't need or even care about. Something else in the news recently that if you, you know, are a rock music fan, which I assume you are since you're listening to this, you're probably living under a rock if you hadn't seen that Judas Priest had to cancel their shows, the rest of their shows on this tour. Because of Richie Faulkner, he suffered a heart. I should have I should have pulled this up before I started talking. I know he had something burst in his heart, like I don't remember as part of a valve or what exactly. I can't I can't remember the medical term here, 
but you all know what I was talking about. It was like a drastic situation. This happened while he was on stage, and he finished the show. I stubbed my toe when I want to cry like a bitch, so I only imagine whenever athletes, you know, finish games after they get injured, or a musician like this that is on stage in a, you know, demanding environment going through something like that is just out of the realm of what I can comprehend personally. So that's just an amazing feat in itself. And then Richie has, there's new stories out now where he's talked, he mentioned recently, now that he's out of the hospital, that he's watched the video back, you know, and he said that, you know, he can't, yeah, I guess even now he can't believe that he finished it because of the pain he was in and, you know, everything. So kudos to him for doing what he did and also extremely happy that he's made it through this and you don't want that to happen to anyone, but he's way too young for stuff like that to be happening. And he's become, you know, whether the purist want to admit it or not, I believe he's become an integral part of Judas Priest in this era. Firepower from a few years ago was the album of the year, the year it came out, in my opinion. And I personally believe it's their best album since Painkiller. And that's a huge part, in part to him. So Judas Priest will reschedule these dates of course, one of those dates was this weekend in Oklahoma City. So I was really looking forward to seeing them with Sabaton opening. So hopefully when they are able to get back out there in the in the coming future, Sabaton is a part of that tour again because that's a band that the Judas Priest fan base as a whole needs to find out about for those of you that don't know about Sabaton. So anyway, and I know also this weekend there was like four days in a row of hard rock and metal shows. The Testament tour that also featured Death Angel and Exodus also got canceled due to COVID. The Gojira tour that features Alien Weaponry and Knock Loose is still on. That one's happening in Oklahoma City this weekend. And then Cat Fest is also in Oklahoma City this weekend, which features Stone Temple Pilots, Daughtry, and then the really good stuff below that, Dirty Honey, Joyous Wolf, Mammoth WVH, uh, I think of Limbo, and then our good friends in Sign of Lies got added to that bill. So that's a huge, huge deal for them, a band out of Oklahoma City that's killer. So if you're in that area and you're going to Catfest, be sure to get there in time to see Sign of Lies. You won't regret it. And Dirty Honey and Joyous Wolf and even Mammoth WVH, I think, are going to steal that show right out from the top two bands, so... That's just my opinion. But speaking of those bands, both Dirty Honey and Joyous Wolf have been on this podcast in recent months. Earlier this year, Joyous Wolf will be in Tulsa, Oklahoma, this Friday night, October 15th at the Shrine. That show will also feature Of Limbo and our friends in Dead Union. Dead Union is a band out of Tulsa, which features a couple guys that have been on this podcast. In their former entities, Chris Gilliam, of course, has been on here with Porch Talk. When it, excuse me, whenever Porch Talk with Chris and Laura was still going on, we had both Chris and Laura on here talking about that. And then Andy Chapman has been on this podcast a couple times when he was in Fist of Rage. And I'm saying all this out loud to say that I think it's way, way past due that I get Dead Union on this podcast, but. For the time being, you need to know that this Friday night at the Shrine, if you're in the Tulsa area, check out Joyous Wolf with Dead Union. Because Joyous Wolf 
is one of those bands that I stated this on the podcast before, especially on the episode where we talked to Nick Reese, the vocalist, and then again when Jason and I saw Dirty Honey and Joyous Wolf in Oklahoma City earlier this summer. Joyous Wolf is one of those bands that I think a few years from now they're going to be a household name. They should be. They should be one of those bands that 20 or 30 years from now you can say I saw Joyous Wolf in the club. That's just my personal opinion. Them and Dirty Honey and Rival Sons I think are on that that trajectory. And not only is this band as musicians phenomenal, then you throw Nick Reese, the vocalist, on top of that, and his vocals are not only phenomenal, but he's redefining the front man in rock and roll. I mean, he's not really redefining it, but he's bringing something back and he's taking it to another level. What you see from, you know, those classic front men that, you know, were known for their stage show, like David Lee Roth or Freddie Mercury or whoever, Dee Snyder, these Nick Reese is all over the place. He's doing, I'm not joking, he's doing handstands and flips and whatever you call them. Those back handspring things where you're flipping backwards. I mean, he gets in the crowd. You know, when we saw him in Oklahoma City, the Diamond Barroom, he spread the crowd open like they do for the Wall of Death. But instead of the Wall of Death, he just did cartwheels and flips down the, the middle of the crowd had the microphone and just started singing at a high level as soon as he finished. So you need to check out Joyous Wolf if you have not, whether it be this Friday in Tulsa, this Sunday in Oklahoma City, or anywhere else in this country that you get the chance to see them. They're also in Joplin this week. So check out Joyous Wolf and get there early and check out Dead Union. All right, enough rambling about stuff going on around here. Let's talk about Candlebox. I mentioned they played Rocklahoma recently, and I got to see the last couple songs. I wished I could have seen the whole set, but fortunately for me, I've seen Candlebox many, many times throughout the years, dating back to the first album in 93, and many times throughout the the 90s, and then of course the last decade I've seen them a lot of times as well. Most recently, before this time, was in 2018, whenever... Jason and I had Kevin Martin on the podcast the first time Candlebox played the River Spirit Casino in Tulsa. And we got a chance to sit down and talk to him. That's episode 186. If you haven't heard it, check it out. We talked a lot about the 25th anniversary of the debut album, the self-titled album of Candlebox. Because they were on that tour that year playing pretty much the album in its entirety. We talked about that. We talked about them touring with Metallica in the early 90s, all kinds of great stuff on that episode, the the current lineup he has. And on this episode coming up, we talk a lot about Wolves, which is the brand new album that came out in mid-September. This album from Candlebox is one of those albums that you need to check out. I know that, you know, a lot of people love their nostalgia, love sticking to what they know. But if you just know Candlebox from those first couple albums and you haven't really paid attention in the past decade, you need to because, you know, a few years ago they released Disappearing in Airports, which was a great album. They've had two or three great albums in the past 15 years. And then, of course, those 90s albums. Their entire catalog is great. And they're one of those bands that has never stayed in that same, you know, 
they're not releasing carbon copy albums. It always shifts a little bit, which I love when bands can do that and pull it off. And this album, Wolves, I think has a lot of sounds from their entire career, which I think is cool. And I think I mentioned that to Kevin when we were talking about the album. But, you know, I just, I love this entire thing. And this song, Let Me Down Easy, is fantastic. I think my favorite song on this album is either Let Me Down Easy or Lost Angeline. Both those songs are phenomenal. They released, a, you know, a couple singles before the album came out with My Weakness and All Downhill From Here. All Downhill, All Downhill From Here features Chris Thorne from Blind Melon as well. We talk a little bit about that coming up with Kevin. So just check this album out. You will not be disappointed if you love Candlebox, which you're listening to this, so I'm hoping you do. So with all that being said, let's jump into it. Here's Kevin Martin of Candlebox. I recently worked in Oklahoma and you guys were out there playing. Was that your first kind of major festival since in the past year and a half? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. What was that experience like? Was it, I mean, did it feel weird to kind of be back out in that situation or did everything run smoothly on your end? It ran smoothly on our end. It was just, uh, it was so strange to be around, you know, 30,000 people. Um, right. Even even outdoors, uh, it just is uh, still even today. You know, with playing shows and you know, like with the House of Blues tonight in Cleveland, it's um, the concept of being around people, masked, unmasked, uh, vaccinated, unvaccinated. The thought that's that's in the back of their mind going to the show, the thoughts that are in the back of our minds playing the show, all of it's very very. Uh, unnatural, um, because, you know, the, the escape of going to concerts is, is to let the music escape you and, or, to, you know, take you to a, a different place to, to, to escape from the day to day. And now, even when you're going to a concert, you're having to think about, you know, the person next to you, um, because of the fucking virus. I mean, it's just a strange, strange way to be, uh, making a living right now it's um it's not normal um as much as people say things are getting back to normal they're not it's, it's still very very odd out here you, you guys are kind of yeah in the middle of a lengthy run of shows right now does it is it frustrating to you to where there's no consistency between venue to venue or state to state on how it things is. are handled it is <laughs> yeah it's very frustrating i mean you know each state has their own ideas you know people you get fans that send you, you know, those passive aggressive text messages. Well, at least you could have told us that we had to have a vaccine card. It has nothing to do with us. This is the venue. I mean, we're, listen, we're vaccinated. We're not doing meet and greets. We're not, we're not doing VIP packages. We're not, we don't, we don't even have guest lists. Um, that's how concerned we are with, you know, our health and well-being being able to continue on the store. I mean, I, I don't know if you can tell, but I have like a bit of a sinus infection right now. <laughs> and that's because I've been walking around with a mask for the past year and a half. 
Right. And the minute I took it off, all that bacteria was able to take over my body and go, hey, go, guess what? We're going to fuck with you now. So, um, <laughs> but that being said, we're just, you know, we're just playing the shows. The venues, each venue has a different, I mean, I just got an email from somebody. Like, I'm not coming to see you in Atlanta because you're vaccine protocol. I'm like, that has nothing to do with us. Wow. That's not ours, you know? And that's the problem. Every state, every venue, every promoter, they all have different ways of handling this. And it's, and it's fucking with the bands because all we're trying to do is play the fucking show. Well, yeah, and even before the pandemic, like you mentioned, meet and greets and that kind of thing were kind of a big source of income for bands. Like, is that, that's got to be frustrating as well on your end, I would think. It is, you know, it's, it's another thing because, you know, that's a great, that's a great way to, you know, pay for the gas for the bus, you know, or offset, you know, crew members cost, you know, or, or, or you know, some of your, your payroll or whatever. Um uh, you know, it's another thing. I, I posted something about, listen, we're not doing meet and greets, we're not doing this. You know, I hope everybody stays safe. And then people were like writing back saying, well, I'm going to, I'm doing a meet and greet with Aria Speedwagon or I'm doing one with Zach Wild. I'm like, well, go fucking do it with Aria Speedwagon and Zach Wild. I'm sorry. We're not doing it. You know, it's like, I can't, I'm not Aria Speedwagon and Zach Wild. I'm not making, you know, $300,000 a fucking show or whatever the fuck they make. I don't know what it is, but, uh, it's just really frustrating that the audience, uh, or the fans don't realize that, that, you know, we're just trying to fucking survive. You know, that's, that's what we're trying to do out here. And it's, and it's very difficult for not only, you know, the bands, but, but for the fans and the promoters and the venues and, you know, everybody involved. It's, it's, it's all just a new, new territory for everybody. Right. Well, on a slightly happier topic, Wolves is out this Friday and you guys kind of sat on this for a while, right? <laughs> We did. We've been sitting on this one for two years now. Um, pretty, yeah, that's a long time. Uh, yeah. Normally, I'm, I'm the longest I sit on a record before it comes out is about eight months. You know, um, and that's just because you're building up your marketing campaign and everything, and the record's been done, and you're ready to get out there and do things. So, um, yeah, it's it's strange, but um, to, to sit on a record for two years and not have um, anything to do is a is, uh, it's not fun, I'll tell you that much. But does it feel good to finally get that out? I mean, like, what's that, like, when you have music like that sitting there that long, does it's got to be kind of weird to not be able to share it with anybody? Yeah, it's it's strange um, because, you know, everybody's saying, you know, I got a lot of friends that are like, hey, man, listen, I pre-ordered the record, but can you just send it to me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. I would love to, but I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. Um so yeah, I mean all that kind of stuff. You know, when when you when you got something and you want to get it out there, you want people to hear it. And you, you everybody's you know kind of chomping at the bit. Nobody's chomping at it more than we are. You know, we want to get out there and play these songs. We want people to hear the record. You know, your the biggest thing is really you want people to have the record for about three weeks prior to you showing up at the show, so they can at least sing along with some of the songs. But you know that doesn't um, that didn't happen this time and. and, and yeah, it's okay. We'll, we'll figure it out. You know, I mean, thank, thank, I guess I'm so thankful that I've been sitting on it for two years and I don't hate the record. Yeah. You know, that's, I, I was afraid that if I had too much time to sit with it. I wouldn't like it and I, I don't want to, you know, shelf it. But I really enjoy this record. I really like what we've done. I like the direction we took. I like how we didn't stop ourselves uh, musically going in any one specific direction or, or, 
focus on just going in one single direction. We, we, we really just did what we wanted to do. And that's probably why I still like the record. Kind of a, a point on what you just said and the, the different styles and the directions you went, like how do you maintain the candle box sound all these years later when you've got different musicians around you? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think the candle box sound, if people kind of, I guess want to compare us to is really the debut album. Um, right. Like we made, you know, so many different, you know, we went such a, a, a different direction with Lucy and we went in an uh, even further direction with Happy Pills. So I guess the only consistent with that member change has been me. So I guess if it's the voice that makes it sound like Candlebox, I, I, I will tell you this. I guess what it probably is mostly is that I sing a specific way. I sing rhythmically against drum beats. I've done that since the debut album because I'm a drummer. Uh, so my writing hasn't changed from from where I started. I've just become a better songwriter and I've grown more. But it's still the same voice um, and it's still the same lyrics. So that's probably what is keeping that Candlebox sound alive is it? I'm just... I wrote all the lyrics and I wrote all the melodies for the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh album. So that's, I mean, honestly, probably the only consistency there is to it is that. Kind of playing off what you just said. I mean, I notice on some of these songs, you know, points from, you know, different points of your career, like Let Me Down Easy reminds me of Lucy. My Weakness reminds me of Happy Pills. So it's kind of like you've got everything going on in this album, in my opinion. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, 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 you know, I think the beauty of Lucy and, and Happy Pills is that as much as, as there are parts of those records I don't like, is they were both extensions for us. And they allowed me to to do what it is that uh, I do. And and the, and the fans have grown with us over that, you know, those changes. So if that's kind of what I I still do and and, and what I do love about this record is, yes, there are those combinations of, of those two records. There's a little bit of Into the Sun in this record. There's a little bit of Love Stories in this record. And there's a little bit of Disappearing at Airports in this record. So, in other words, we, we took all that salt and pepper from, you know, those those two albums, Lucy and Hat Pills, and sprinkled them, um, you know, kind of throughout this album. And that's really just kind of mainly the guitar changes. Uh, and certain progressions on this record that are reflective of those past songs uh, of Cannabis. And I've always been an artist and a musician that has led by example. And what, what I mean by that is, is my library of musical tastes, I will reach into that when I'm trying to describe the direction of a song or, or the um, progression of that song, what I'm looking for. So, um, I mean, Happy Pills has some of the, the best songs we've ever written as a band. Uh, certainly Pete and Barty and myself as songwriters. Um, but it was, it was misguided. Uh, whereas this record with, with so many different influences and inspirations and styles to it, it's, it's very, very direct. And we knew that we weren't going to stop ourselves. So we didn't. And that didn't, that never happened in the past. We we would beat our heads against the wall trying to get a you know a part to work in a song, 
Uh, we didn't do that. If it didn't happen organically, you walked away from it. I saw that video clip recently where you were talking about all downhill from here, where you wrote it with Christopher Thorne. And like, how did that, I mean, I'm sure you guys have been friends for 30 years, but how did that collaboration come about to decide to write together? Well, we had, we had talked about it for years. Um, uh, Christopher and I, I met him in 1993 and then he moved to Seattle and, um, and I, he moved like about three blocks from me. Um, so, um, I just happened to walk by his house and saw him moving. I was like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I I just moved to Seattle. Where do you live? I said, dude, I'm like three blocks from you. I was walking to get coffee. (laughs) And, um, and so I said, well, I'll help you move. So I helped him move stuff in. And then, uh, about a year later, he was building a recording studio in the basement of that house. So I helped him build that because I had been a, uh, a builder contractor prior to, to being a musician. And, and, um, and so I helped him build a studio with my friend Jeff. And, and, you know, we, we've been friends for a long, long time. So we talked about working together since he moved to Seattle. Um, but we never really had the time. And then we actually had him and Brad play on our Lucy records. B sides uh, of our Lucy record, Featherweight, and I forget what the other song is. Um, but we never written together. So I contacted him in 2018 and I said, Listen, man, um, I know you're out in Joshua Tree and I know you have a studio and I need to write for my new record. And I think I would love to write a couple songs with you. Are you free? And he freed up his schedule and I drove out to uh, Joshua Tree and I spent two nights with him out there and, and um, wrote these uh, two songs on the record and um, I'm very happy and I, and I love the outcome. Slightly different subject when you you mentioned Seattle and you guys kind of came out right after you know the big four bands hit from Seattle. I don't remember at least back then you guys ever getting lumped in with that Seattle scene. Did that kind of annoy you or did you see that as a blessing? Well. I mean, it didn't annoy us. Um, I mean, we certainly knew that we weren't, you know, comparable to any of those bands. I mean, we didn't really sound like any of them. If we sounded like anybody, we sounded like Mother Love Mode, which is right. you know, just basically like a arena rock. Uh, so, I mean, I think we were, it was, a, it was the downside of being from Seattle and, and not being, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, and, and uh, Nirvana is is that you weren't respected in the Seattle scene, um, and not weren't really respected in the musical community outside of the Seattle scene, and certainly not in the media. If if you weren't those four bands, so for us, the biggest battle was being from Seattle and not sounding like those bands or not coming up at the same time as them. And that's mainly because we were four and five years younger in age um, than, than uh, the guys in Alice and Pearl Jam and whatnot. So like Lane, uh, I was 16 when I met Lane. He was 21. Uh, same with Andy Wood. Andy was 22. Chris was 22. Eddie, I think, was 23 when he came to Seattle. So, <clears throat> quite a bit of difference in age, <clears throat> you know, when it comes to a 16-year-old kid to 21-year-old kid. So, that was really why nobody knew who we were. And and, um, and, and that was, you know, uh, unfortunately, just 
based on the year we've been born um, as, as human beings. So, um, I, did I care that we weren't lumped into the grunge thing? No. Would it have been nice if we'd have been lumped into the grunge thing and respected? Sure. I mean, it would have been a, a you know a blessing to have you know the media uh, uh, appreciate what what it was that we were doing as a band. But I think at that point, everybody was kind of burned out on what was happening in Seattle. Um, you know, it's, there was so much attention on the city, so many records that were released in between 1992 and, and 94 from Seattle bands that I think people were just kind of done with it. You know? Last time I I saw you guys, you played Man of Golden Words. And that that album by Mother Love Bone is one of my favorite albums of the 90s. And mentioning Andrew Wood, like, I know you're a fan, a friend. Like, how did that... Um, how do you think if he was still here, like, where do you think he would be at, like revered? Because I mean, I'm, I'm baffled that he's still so underrated 30 years later. Yeah, I think Andy would have been an, an enormous rock star. He would have been, he would have been the Lady Gaga of the, of the male musical community. Um, or the Harry Styles, if you will, just that, that artist that would have been striving for so many things and working with so many musicians. And I'm sure he would have done something with Elton John. He probably would have gotten up and sang with Queen. You know, Andy, Andy was a rock star the day he was born. And he would have been um, unstoppable. Uh, it's, it is crazy to me that um, he's somewhat forgotten in a world of in a world of musicians that are just they just feel so important and um, Andy was just this fucking bright shining star man uh, and I think that Pearl Jam obviously uh, I don't know if, if Mother Love would, would have been as big as Pearl Jam because they don't I don't think that Andy would have wanted to be the Grateful Dead if you will you know, um, which is kind of what Pearl Jam has become. Um, I think there's been an article on why their their success has been so great is because of the the bootlegs that they release at shows or how many people have recorded their shows and bootlegged them. Um, and they are, you know, Pearl Jam is is as big, if not bigger, than the Grateful Dead world. So um, I don't think Andy would have been that type of musician to be like, okay, we're going to do Wembley Stadium or we're going to do. Uh, Wrigley Field or, you know, I'm sure he certainly would have wanted to, but um, I don't think it would have been uh, on his, you know, radar to to be another Grateful Dead. Um, I think he would have wanted to be what Guns N' Roses is, just a, a, you know, an arena rock band that travels the world and makes people happy and, and, and um, you know, I, I don't know, that's, I mean, yes, Pearl Jam's as big as Guns N' Roses. I just think I, I don't see a parallel between Guns N' Roses and Pearl Jam when it comes to the type of um, lifestyle music they lead and, and their I guess, relationship with their fans. I guess it's I don't know. Guns N' Roses seems to be a little bit more um, standoffish, whereas Pearl Jam is very, you know very much embraces um, the ginormity of their success. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, <laughs> a final question for you. You know, in the last couple of years, we've lost Neil Peart, Charlie Watt, um, Ginger Baker. As a guy that's a drummer, first and foremost, did any of those guys have a impact on you when you were growing up? All three of them. Um, Charlie Watts is 
one of my favorite drummers of all time. Neil Peart was the first drummer I tried to learn how to play drums to. Um, at the age of 10, by putting my brother's um, permanent, uh, was it permanent waves record or was it? One of those two that I put my headphones on and, and tried to, to play to. Um, and Ginger Baker is just, just an all-around fucking genius drummer. I mean, I, he influenced so many people um, and so many drummers um, have tried to emulate what it was he was capable of as a, as a you know musician drummer. Um, it's crazy. I mean, there's there's some those three are such entirely different musicians and, um, and at the same time just so influential and so inspirational. Um, very sad. Uh, when Neil passed, I was lucky enough to play golf with him uh, back in 1994 when we toured with them for for um, four months. And you know, I played 18 holes of golf with that guy, and he was just the kindest, most gently beautiful human being. And of course, this is prior to his wife passing and his daughter passing. So um, after that, um, even when we would go see him and, and go back to say hi to the band, we didn't get to say hello to Neil. He was so private. Um, but that was just terrible. You know, we're we're going to get to that point where we're going to just start seeing more of this. Um, this, you know, these we're all mortal, man. That's the thing. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and when your numbers drawn, um, you better hope you've you've uh, repented. <laughs> right. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think this next decade we're going to lose a lot of the the old school guys. So. All right, man. I mean, it was sad when, when Dusty passed. You know, I love to see some talk. Yeah, uh, that was really sad. Yeah, same here. All right, man. Well, I'm really loving what I'm what I've heard from Wolves, and looking forward to getting this thing out here. And appreciate you taking the time with me. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. Thank you so much. There you go, Kevin Martin of Candlebox. A huge thank you to Barbara of RSN Entertainment and Pavement Music for helping set that up, and a massive thank you to Kevin Martin for taking some time out there to call in and talk to me about all kinds of stuff. The new album Wolves is out now. You need to pick it up. Candleboxrocks.com is their website. You can find that album anywhere you can buy music, whether you want to stream it, you want to buy a physical copy, buy it through the band. That is that goes for any band or any music you want to buy out there. You know, support these artists. If you're not buying the music, if you're just streaming it off of a streaming service like Spotify or something, you know, buy a t-shirt or some stickers or something if you don't buy physical product. So anyway. I know I say that a lot, but it helps these guys out, especially in these times when it's harder to tour. But now it looks like things are finally, you know, at least happening. You know, tours are still getting canceled or shows here and there, but, you know, it's not as bad as it was. And you heard Kevin talk about some of that stuff there on the tour that Candlebox is on. And his thoughts on, you know, the stuff they've got to deal with when it comes to not only just playing shows safely, but doing things like meet and greets and all that kind of stuff. So. You know, if you've got a, an opinion that differs from an artist, respect, you know, their wishes. You know, it's not the end of the world if your opinions don't align. You know, we know that. That goes for anything, whether it's music or just your friends. When it comes to everything going on in the world, you know, it seems from major stuff to minor stuff is pretty divisive these days. So just do your best to love one another 
You like how I wrap that up kind of corny? But hey, the point is there, right? If this is your first time listening, I greatly appreciate it. Like I mentioned earlier, Kevin has been on here before, episode 186. Three years ago, Kevin joined me and Jason for a pretty fun one. We sat down with him out there at that casino, and that was a cool time. So check that one out. We've also had on guys from Seven Dust. If you like the 90s, like Candlebox, we've had on guys from Buck Cherry, White Zombie, um, Local H, a couple of the guys from Orgy, Clutch, Corrosion and Conformity, Prong, Typo Negative, Crowbar, Superjoint, Megadeth, Guns N' Roses, Def Leppard, Glenn Hughes of Deep Purple and many other great things has been on here. D. Snyder of Twisted Sister was on here recently. That was very, very cool. Very glad to be able to do that one. I've also had on, you know, guys from Tesla and Warrant, Great White, Kill Switch Engage, Helmet, um, like I mentioned earlier, Dirty Honey, Joyous Wolf. The list is long and it is great. And I appreciate all these artists that we've had on here. And coming up, we've got Danko Jones. I'm very excited about that one. I'm sure on that episode you'll hear me rambling a lot about how I believe that Danko Jones is one of the most underrated rock bands in the world, now and forever. You know, that's a I know that's a bold statement, but I firmly believe that. We've also got one coming up with Tony Cavino and Mike Mostert of In Theory. Both of them have been on here before, and they're back to talk about their brand new EP, which will be out soon. Killer great blues rock band. If you haven't heard of them, check them out. You'll be hearing more about them here coming up on the podcast soon. TheThunderUnderground.com is the website. You can listen there. You can also subscribe wherever you're listening to this right now. You can listen to this podcast. Most places podcasts are heard, so subscribe or follow so you don't miss any you know, future episodes. You get alerted that way. And also all our socials are on the website, so follow us and like us on any of those. If you see any posts or anything, if you just like it or share it or leave a brief comment, that helps us out as well because more people see the posts that way. We've also got merch for sale. You know, anytime you see me out and about, or if you want to just message me and have me ship it to you, we've got t-shirts, koozies, shot glasses, guitar picks, magnets, other stuff. So hit me up for all that crap. All right. Once again, a massive thank you to Barbara from RS Entertainment, Kevin Martin of Candlebox, Hella Hot Hot Sauce, DEB Concerts, Med Farm, and Sunset Tattoo. And until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all.